So today, in continuing this discussion, I want to talk about the five expressions of the soul. Now, in addition to the three levels, or the three types of the soul that we spoke about, there are another, there's another five-tiered model of the human soul that ex- that's expounded by the Kabbalists. The five-tiered model does not negate the usefulness of the three-tiered model that we used before, right? Anyone remember what the three-tiered model was? Quickly. The rational soul. Yes. Hold on. Look at it. The living soul. And the? Natural soul. Natural soul. The rational soul, the living soul, and the natural soul. So that's our three-tiered model. We're going to look at a five-tiered model now. And actually, understanding the rational, the natural, and the living soul, we're going to build on that. So using these three aspects that we already covered, let's say we're going to say they're the foundations of the next two ideas. Rabbi, is this just another person in Kabbalah and his, his model, just like Another Rashi group. and right. Everybody's commentary stuff. That's right. So similar. Okay. Since Cheryl, since you brought it up, I'm going to, I'm going to point out that because there's a very long and roundabout history of Kabbalah, it was revealed in different places in different times. There will often be many, many, levels and models available to explain the same idea or the same phenomena. And these models should not be seen as mutually exclusive. They can be understood as different tools or different keys. And that we use them to our disposal when necessary. So the threefold model of the soul, the living, natural, and rational model that we've been speaking about, will at some times be more appropriate or more fruitful for the interpretation of understanding a specific teaching or a specific ritual or a specific practice. But sometimes we need something that's more expansive. So I don't want you to be confused by the presentation of multiple models for the same thing. They're not meant to negate each other, but they're meant to complement each other. And I think, in my opinion, Kabbalah does this a lot, but in my opinion, it's such a great way of looking at teachings in the world. Because so often we see teachings that are at odds with each other, And really, they're complementary. And we, as the person who is trying to be the the knowing, we think sometimes we're the knower. And so we decide, oh, this teaching is good, and this teaching is not good. But that's not what it's about. The world is a beautiful place. It's a garden, and there's all types of flowers in the garden. And we need every single one to make the garden beautiful. And so... The world and its teachings are so 
expansive. And the fact that we live in an age that is so, there's so much knowledge. We live in an age where we have access to more knowledge than our ancestors ever dreamt of. And so because of that, and not only do we have access to it, thank God living in the world that we live in, we have access to time. We have time that our ancestors never had before. And because of that, we can sit here on a random Thursday morning and enjoy this. Yes, maybe there's other things that we have to do, and maybe we have to kind of, you know, take those things and and put them aside for a second, for an hour, so that we can actually be focused on this teaching. But we have the time, and we cannot take that for granted, that we have the time today that, that people never had. And so when we're learning anything, my opinion, and I hope you'll share this opinion with me, is that we can learn something from everything. There's always something to be learned. And so all these teachings and any teaching that we learn is going to be complementary to another teaching, even if it doesn't seem that way. With that, let me get into, I don't know if I'll be able to get into the entire teaching today, but at least I want to start you off with this teaching. So according to the Midrash, this is a Midrash Rabbah. It's actually um, in Bereshit, which is uh, in uh, chapter 14, which is in this week's Torah portion. It just happens to be, by the way, it's just by chance. Nothing's by chance, but it's by chance. And this teaching is an ancient teaching that the human soul has five names. And each name, and Julian is going to be very excited now because I'm getting to something that he asked about five weeks ago. um, Each name represents various grades and dimensions of consciousness. So the lowest, the lowest representation of the soul's energy is called nefesh. Nefesh is the lowest or so-called lowest representation of the soul's energy. It is the part that is bound up with the world of physical action. It's a functional consciousness. So nefesh is a functional consciousness. It's totally connected and bound up with this world. The second, or a little higher than nefesh, is a stage called ruach. Ruach is an emotional awareness and a state of consciousness. So ruach is a little higher. It's not totally physical. It's in this physical world, but as and emotional awareness. The third dimension or grade is called nishama. Nishama is also a word that we use often to refer to the soul, though it's not the only word. It's the most common word, but not the only word. Nishama, and you'll see why it's the most common word, is the cognitive and intellectual dimension of the soul. 
So let's just stop here a second. We have nefesh, which is totally physical. If you want to talk about the emotional part of the soul, we call it ruach. And if you want to talk about the cognitive or intellectual dimension of the soul, we call it neshama. Each one of these words are words that can accurately be used to describe the soul. But accurately, it will be used to describe a part, a piece, a dimension, a grade of the soul. Then there are two higher levels. These are levels that are not necessarily directly connected to the physical world, which means if you look at the soul as a linear line that goes from the physical to the spiritual, within that linear line, the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama are totally, not totally, but they are one with the physical world to a certain extent. Nefesh, really one. Ruach, on an emotional level. And neshama, on an intellectual level. Then if you kind of now, let's move up, away from the world. There's two other dimensions. The fourth dimension is chaya. Chaya is the will. It's what we'll call transcendental consciousness. Transcendental consciousness. And then there is Yechida. This is the fifth level. The fifth level is a state beyond self-consciousness where the soul is one with the all-inclusive source of all life. It's the part of our soul that is 100% bound up with God. And we're going to talk in detail about these particular levels. I just wanted to give you this overview. Now, yes, Cheryl. I have a question. Sorry. Early on in this class, I don't know if they were different, but very early on, you did give us five levels of the soul. Wasn't one of them a sia? And you said you'll probably never get to that, but that's on, what is it, Yom Kippur or Kal Nijan night or something that, so, that could so, come. So what, this is different. No, it's um, not. It's exactly the oh. same. Sia are the worlds. What I gave Sian in this class was this. And Yechida is that, so the five... What you're referring to is, that, again, remember, we're circular, right? We're, right. That's circular. what I was trying. Yeah. We're coming back to it on a deeper level. So what I told you before about these five levels is each of the prayers represent a different level. So the morning prayer is the level of nefesh. The afternoon prayer is the level of ruach. And the evening prayer is the level of neshama. Now, on Shabbat, we have a fourth prayer. So on Shabbat, we can get to the level of Chaya, but there's only one day a year that we have five prayers, and that's Yom Kippur. So Ne'ila is that level of Yechida. That's what I said. Yeah. You spell it, is it Y? Yechida? C-H-I-D-A. Yechida. Thank you. And that's 
C and H, that's C phlegm H. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do a KH, but I'll just say C phlegm H. Works better. Alessandra. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yerida for unit or for unique? Mm. Explain yourself. Okay, when you say Yehid, you know, like you can say Ruben Yehid, he's the unique band, it's the unique son. Right. Or Yerida for a unit for actually an apartment. Yerida five. So it's Yehida for unified, which means it's the part of our soul that is completely unified with God. Okay, and then I'll give you an Israeli joke. Uh, if you don't know somebody's name, you call him, hey, you, Neshama. <laughs> At okay. least you don't say, hey, you, Nefesh. No, we use Neshama. Neshama, Shili, or, you know, you, you yeah. want to. Because we... Israelis, Israelis know how to use the cognitive functions of their brain very well. We know. Right. Oh, Israeli joke. Yes. We're not making fun of Israelis. We love them. No, no, never. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, you know, you know. Wait, Rabbi, William wanted to say something, but he was muted. Oh, sorry. William, you have to unmute. Well, I just wanted to ask you, um, it's interesting. What obligation do we have to care for the various dimensions of what we're talking about. It seems to me that um, nefesh, your, your body, uh, like not would be a vessel, but if you don't look after yourself, you really can't get the other ones done very well. So I, my question is, what obligation do we have to care for the various dimensions that you're talking about? It's a very good question that you ask. <clears throat> One, as we get through this and you start understanding these levels more, you're going to realize that there's so many parts and traditions and things within Judaism that care for different dimensions of the soul. So we have the soul care that's embedded within Jewish life if we choose to express it and to do it. So, you're, you're, for example, one of the examples I just gave is the various prayers, that they represent different parts of the soul, that they are connected to different parts of the soul. So, I think that 
what you're asking is a, is a profound question. And again, in this class, because we have the, the gift of time, which means we're not, you know, this is not a six-part series or a 10-part series. And we've been going on, I believe this is class number 23, if I remember correctly. And so because we don't, we have the gift of time, I'm very careful not to kind of go ahead or, 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 because I want to give you kind of the sequential uh, process, which is, for example, that's why, William, that's why Cheryl was asking this question, because I had mentioned this a number of weeks ago, but now I'm going to mention it. I'm mentioning it today on a deeper level. And I like that kind of, because Kabbalah is so circular, I want to give you that kind of teaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just I just feel that we take for granted a lot of the dimensions of our life. <laughs> and only when, like, I mean, I'm in the hospital once a year for a checkup, but I, I, I think we take for granted enormous amount of things. And only when we don't have the things that we take for granted that we start to appreciate it. Absolutely. So, I mean, Absolutely. And I think that if there's one gift that we could give ourselves during this time and during this class, is to um, learn about different dimensions of ourselves, especially different dimensions of our soul and what that means to us and see how we can express that. And then maybe some of the things that we do within Jewish life that don't always make sense will become clearer. So let's, um, let's, let's move on in this teaching. I want to try to get through as much as I can today. But again, you're welcome to stop me if for whatever reason you don't understand something. Originating from the source of all reality, the soul extends into the inner depths of the human being. For the sake of analogy, the soul is likened to a beam of light. In its most pristine state, in its perfect state, in its state that is totally connected to God, the soul is in total harmony. It's in total oneness with the source of light. So if we look at God, the often the metaphor for God is light. So think of the beam of light that's coming from the source. That's the soul. So the part of our soul that is in total harmony with the source of light is totally connected. So connected that let's use this metaphor of light. If you were to just have that dimension of your soul, it would blind you. Blind you, meaning it would blind the physical eyes within this world. That part of the soul cannot only, it's not in this body. If that part of the soul, the yechida part of the soul, the highest part of the soul was only in the body, it would shatter the body. The, the, the body couldn't handle it. Now, traveling downwards, metaphorically speaking, the soul becomes less intense less brilliant until it manifests as the energy and life force of an apparently autonomous 
an independent entity. Now, this apparent autonomy and independence is really an illusion because there is no completely autonomous entity independent of its source, especially independent of the source of the creator. The creator is still embedded and infused within it. So it's an illusion. The fact that we see ourselves as independent entities from God is an illusion. Yet, this is how existence appears from our finite perspective. The reason is, we've spoken about this before, is free choice. Free choice is real, and so existence needs to be real from that perspective. If we had an inkling of that true connection of Yechida to God, then we wouldn't have free choice. Alexandra, please. So, Pidyona, which is here to remind us that we're not creators, that we do in Judaism, right? When when a woman has a firstborn child without who's a boy and never had a miscarriage before that, and it was... Birth. There are other reasons for the Pinina Ben, but one of them is yes. Okay, are there any other uh, mitzvot that we do to remind us? So many. So many. Shabbat is a mitzvah that reminds us that we're not the creator. We mimic the creator on Shabbat. Any mitzvah that is what we call there are three categories of mitzvot. There are three categories of commandments. Edot, chukim, and mishpatim. Mishpatim are, are judicial commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, those kind of commandments. The edot commandments are commandments that are testimony. We call them edot, testimony. They are testimony to the creator to God's existence. So any mitzvah, which there are many, that will fall under the category of edot, of testimony to God's existence, are going to be a mitzvah like this. Right? And just for the third, the chukim are those mitzvot that we have no explanation, of which there are only a few. Thank you. These are very good questions, and, and I'm happy to be able to, to, to clarify based on them. Okay, moving on to the five levels of the soul. The five levels of the soul represent various degrees of awareness and means of relationship between the self and the external world. Are you ready for this? I believe that because of all the wonderful teachings in the world today, we understand this so much more. Because we have words in, the, in, in our lexicon like self-care. This is a word that people didn't talk about. Maybe even 30 years ago, they didn't talk like this. So think about the different levels of the soul as the relationship between the self 
the essence, who we really are, and the external world. The part of the world that's not part of our essence. Let's take a look at the uh, metaphor. How about the ocean? Let's look at the, 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 the ocean as a metaphor for the soul. The body of the ocean would be like the source of all souls. The what we're going to call all-inclusive oneness God with the more individualized elements of the soul being likened to individual waves. Now, looking at a wave from the perspective of the ocean, you can see how that wave is always part of the ocean's whole. But for someone looking in a distance and maybe only seeing the tip of the wave, each wave appears as an independent entity. The closer the wave is to the ocean, the more apparent it is that it is indeed an aspect of the ocean from where it came. The further removed it is from its source, the more detached and autonomous it appears and it feels. So in the higher reaches of the soul, it's very much one with its roots. And gradually, as it evolves and as it descends, the innate connectedness becomes less and less apparent. As the soul proceeds downward, it sets into motion the process of particularization until the soul becomes the life force of an individual person. But we have to point out that the emerging individualized soul is not just a product of spiritually unsophisticated awareness. It is a veritable reality, just as any other reality. And it's perspective. Each perspective is genuine on its own level. There is a unique signature to each soul. There's a distinct personality to each soul. Through that distinct personality, a person who carries that soul comes to experience and impact life. This, this state of the soul's individuality, the, the, the crest, the, the, the top of the wave, so to speak, beyond retaining its distinctive form during this life, while it's vested within the physical body, also maintains its existence as a unique spiritual force in the afterlife. And now you're going to start seeing why we need to really make these distinctions. This part of the soul never becomes 
part of the whole by losing its individuality. Rather, after death, the finite becomes enfolded within the infinite without losing its integrity. And that's why in order for us to even begin a conversation about the Kabbalistic view of the afterlife, we need to understand these five levels of the soul. And we need to have a good grasp on these five levels of the soul. Because there's a part of the soul that is going to become so much part of this world that it may not even realize that it's a soul. But there's a part of that same soul, like a wave of the ocean, that will never become part of this world. And that's the same soul. That's your soul. The same soul. I know I'm speaking metaphorically now. I could see Cheryl's eyes, and she's like, what is going on here? This is too early in the morning for me. That's okay. That's why you have the recording. You can listen to it again. But I want to I give you the practical element of this. I'm going to just approach just one part of it. I, I'm not gonna, I can't get into all of them today, but, but and I hope I'll get to, to more as the weeks go on. But I want to just show you the lowest, the lowest, I don't like using that word, low and high, but the, the part of the soul that is most grounded in this world, the nefesh. Let's take a look at the nefesh through this lens. Nefesh. The nefesh is the... energy of the physical, the, the material, the soul of matter, to use a scientific term. It's the element that is least conscious of its source. It doesn't, it, it has a consciousness that it has a creator but very, very difficult. If we only had a nefesh, it would be very hard to have this conversation right now. Proof that we don't only have a nefesh is that we're having this conversation. Nefesh is related, as William said before, to bodily awareness. The world of asiya, the world of doing, and everything connected to physical pleasure or sport. Connected to physical, the physical body, being a physical person in a physical world. The human instinct for survival is a coarse representation of this dimension of the soul. The nefesh enables the body to persevere, organizing the cells and transforming them into a coherent whole that can sustain itself. There's a force that some theoretical scientists refer to as amorphic 
field. You may have heard this before. Amorphic field is a type of energy that encircles each organism and prods it towards advancement and more intricate measures of complexity and diversity. This energy is a fantastic metaphor to the nefesh. Fantastic. It's the spirit that moves physical existence along its own path and towards its own development and growth. So think of it as a morphic field. That it, that, like this field that encircles each organism and wants it to grow. It wants it to advance. It wants it to become diverse. So it's still a life force. That's why I, I said before, I don't like calling it the lowest level because it's a very important level of the soul. It's the level of the soul that we interact with the most because we're physical beings in a physical world. So we can't negate it. Oh, it's just the bottom level. I mean, come on, I want to move up. I want to, you know, this is, it's not a rank. <laughs> you know, the next level isn't sergeant. It's a very important, and to a certain extent, we need to understand this level the most. Because it's the one that's most connected to our being. Actually, it's the one that's been with us with us the longest. That's why it's so connected to us. Because the nefesh, when we're infants, that's the one that's most apparent. Maybe when we're infants, it's the only one that's apparent. You follow me? Questions? Comments? I don't know, I was just thinking, is a woman's reproductive energy a part of nefesh? Uh, part. Because it's very physical. Part of it, yes. I'm, but I'm talking about the physical part of it, the, the hormones. Part and of it is definitely within nefesh, yes. Okay. Did you have an aha moment there? I did. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, kind of generally in our world how you know, especially with women that, you know, after a certain age, usually a reproductive age kind of pushed aside, usually by men. Um, and yet there's so much power there because there's not the, that part of that, the nefesh. There, I mean, there's still a lot of nefesh there, but it leaves room for so much more, you know, yeah. these higher levels. And I don't know. I just, I just had this vision and this, this aha about like, that's, you know, women should be in the leadership roles at that point, if not earlier. Jill, but, you yeah. hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. Yeah. Exactly. And, and when you start looking at the other dimensions of the soul, you're going to start seeing why we say within Kabbalah that women are more spiritual. And you're going to start seeing how the traditional Jewish life was set up in such a way to allow that to happen. I know it doesn't seem like that, 
does not seem like that. <laughs> because of certain reasons and and we'll get into that when we get further, but you're you're totally and and that aha moment that you had is totally within line. That's right. See, think about it. If you have le- if you naturally on a physical level are not as connected to nefesh, it means that you're going to be more connected to another part of the soul, which is going to be naturally more refined and more spiritual than nefesh. And that's right. Maybe it could be, I'm not going to say this as a fact because I don't want to speak for you. It could be the reason why you are interested in this today and you weren't interested in this maybe 20 years ago. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but, you know. um, But I'm just saying as a, you know, within this, context mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah it was just a big aha for me there alexandra i'm bouncing on the leadership role i think women have always had the leadership role in families i mean forget the the traditional role of the of the man going out bringing the bacon sorry the <laughs> bringing the salary, let's say, but we have always been, that's why they call them homemade, because a, a woman can build and a woman can just, and, and if I look at the, the history of my family and how the grandmas had always, have always had that leadership role, I think that women have always had the leadership role. Maybe it's not advertised as such, but. Um, I, I think they do. And, and there's a joke in my uh, uh, Greek fat wedding uh, movie where husband says that, you know, he's the head of the house and the wife answers, yes, but I'm the neck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Alessandra, I just want to interject. And I absolutely agree with that. I'm thinking in a more worldwide sense, the the leadership of, you know, but I agree, and I, I believe I, I would like to 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 echo what you're saying, Alessandra and Jill. I think that if women on a, on a worldwide level were more leaders, the faces of leaders would be less like the faces of dogs. Wow! But there are more women in leadership position. Yeah, there are. There, and and. It's about time. And actually, while I disagree with the premier, like the prime minister in Italy, because I think she's a fascist, until she made a speech about two days ago where she said, I am the first woman prime minister in this country, and this is an achievement and and, and, uh, um, uh, not a prize, but a recognition of what women have always done for this country. Like we've always had to fight harder. We've always had to study uh, more. We've always had to prove ourselves more to reach the same levels. And finally, we have a woman as prime minister in Italy is a big deal. So it, it is coming, hopefully, and I hope she will prove me wrong that she's not a fascist, uh, but that's a different story. But yet she the first woman in a leadership position in Italy. And that's amazing. Thank you. I want to I get into Julian's question because I think it's a very important question. 
Um, can anyone help us? Now that you have a basic idea of the five levels, can anyone see how the three levels that we spoke about in past weeks connect to these five levels? Where is where is the natural? Where's the natural soul? Where do you think it is? But, but the, let's see. To, to take a look at the three levels of the soul for a moment and see if you can connect the th- based on what you know today. You may not have enough knowledge yet, and that's okay. But based on what you know today, what do you think is the connection between the three and the five? So for me, living is Raya and Yehida. Okay. That is the natural soul, isn't it? Isn't it also the natural soul? Empathy, transcendence of yes, empathy and sympathy. So doesn't that kind of relate to Chaya? That's right. The natural soul relates to Chaya. And also it relates to something else. Well, the shama probably. No, the ruach, right? Uh, the emotional. Oh, the ruach. Right. Did we get that. Well, we haven't gotten there in 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 detail, but we just kind of went over it in, in, in summary. That the emotional, the connect, the the emotional part of the soul is the ruach, right? So the so so it's going to relate to both ruach and yechida. You see, they're all interconnected. And that's why I want to show you again, you don't have as much knowledge as you maybe will have in a few weeks from now to be able to do this properly. But I want to just show you how you can start making these connections. Any other connections you can make between the three and the five? Nishama and uh, rational. Yes. How? Well, the Nishama is the cognitive and intellectual. Here you go. So, Julian, I hope this helps you. I don't want to, again, I'm being purposely not giving you everything because I want you to go through the process, but I, I'm hoping that you can already start seeing these connections. And that's exactly because within the five, there's so much more connection. I think you can very easily start seeing this progress and how it works. But they are interconnected, which means it's not strange to have Ruach and Yechida, which is level two, and level four, because they're not level two and level four. They're just different gradients. Maybe different colors. Maybe at some point we'll get into that. It it helps. It's it's a bit like coloring in the picture. So the picture's not colored yet, but it it helps to give it a bit of form. Right. I don't know if later on that there might be like a diagram or picture that might be able to sort of pin it down more. I like, I like you to be able to your own diagram and picture as a result of our teachings. Oh, wow. That's better than being spoon fed. We're so used to in our society being spoon fed and someone else doing the work for us, but the greatest joy that we can have within teaching, especially within Kabbalistic teaching is doing the work for ourselves. I'm not saying that we still have to teach long division, but I do think that there's a value in learning the process yourself and being able to create the diagram yourself. Wow. Thank you for clarifying. 
I think I'll have to come back to it as we go on because um, unfortunately I overslept last week so I missed Crucial and I, I haven't progressed through the video enough to and, and because you have the joy of having the recordings thanks to you then I think that because of that you're able to go back to them and if you need to go back you can go back to those recordings and and and, and take a look at it as you know more Ah, I'm just going to say thank you for the class. I have to leave at ten o'clock, but I enjoyed the class very much, and maybe I can come next week. What's your What's your nugget? We're going to go on to nuggets now. Uh, I know just because you have to leave, why don't you start off and give us your at the end of each class? We always um, everyone gives what they're taking home with them. What are you taking home with you today? Well, what I'm taking home is that uh, we talked about it last week with another class is that it's a circular and there's different dimensions that become important at different stages in our lives. And it's not just one or the other. It's like it merges um, one to the other. And the other thing that I'm taking away is that I think what your analogy about the waves and the ocean is I think that we're very limited in what our understanding of things are, but uh, but I think we have to do the best with we can with what our understandings are, and not to pre too much preoccupied with what Hashem is his his perspective is. I think that we have to use our own agency or our own lives or our own nefesh or the own dimensions of our lives to the best that we can. Um, that's what I'm taking away from it. How long does the class go? Is it finished at ten? When is it going? Yeah, it finishes at ten. Okay, anyway, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Who wants to uh who wants to go next? Okay. Oh, good, Joe. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, um I think I, I read something recently. I don't think it was from you, but it might have been, but going back to the waves, like it was from the perspective of the waves. It's like if you have these a big wave and then you have smaller waves and the big waves way up high you can see ahead and the big wave is we're gonna hit this land we're gonna die and the lower wave was like no we're not gonna hit the land we're a part of it but it's so it's from perspective you know and it was written a little more eloquently than I just said it but but that's kind of what I was thinking is just about our perspective of any position we're in, but I love having all of these laid out linearly to know that it kind of, you know, we we can't remain in, even though Yehuda sounds wonderful, we can't live there. We can't be there if we want to actually engage in life. So just that flow through it and in different times of our life where we can access it more or be aware of it more or, you know, but hopefully in Yehuda, you, you can always access that connection, even in our material nefesh world. So that's my little takeaway. Kelsey, hi there. Good morning. It's so good to be here. Um, my nugget actually came from the conversation with Jill and um, to kind of circle back around to how the 
different dimensions are more significant in different parts of our lives and um, more meaningful. And um, yeah, I think I'm kind of looking forward to that in a way, maybe to have that growth, I guess. So, um, and also to be present in what I, what I'm in now. Um, let's see. What for me? Thank you. So, uh, uh, good morning, everyone. So it's it's a, a beautiful. I I it reminds me the 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 wave matter duality. You know when you said. Uh, but here my question to you, Darabai. So everybody have a distant. Uh, every person have a distant body or distant like aspects or, or like different. And there is a, a mapping, or there is a, like every soul have a every every soul is distant, and every soul have a distant body. It's associated to distant body, and every soul express itself differently. So if I see how the person dresses, can I make uh, or can I or because like uh, if 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 I see how a person acts or how or how person. Uh, dresses or something can I can I make uh, an inference which dominant which 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 is which dominant soul which dominant part of the soul yeah I mean I mean I mean which dominant part of the soul I mean drives him like I don't know if if I see something acting rudely maybe the nefesh is is his dominant uh, it's his nefesh who dominate him, you know. So can we make the way the person? Because we said I look. It's like I I look at the body. It's like I'm looking at the waves. I'm looking. I'm not. I mean, this is what I'm talking. I want to uh, share a little story with you. It's a story from the Talmud, and I think it connects a lot to the feminine energy that we were talking about earlier. There's a story in the Talmud. There's not many women that we know about in the Talmud, but one of the women that is very, is often shows up in the Talmud is the wife of Rabbi Meir. Her name was Bruria. The story goes that one day, Bruria overhears her husband, Rabbi Meir, praying for the neighbors to die. There was a particular reason. They were in a conflict as sometimes neighbors get into, but he's praying for the neighbors to die. And she interrupts his prayer and says, my dear husband, why do you pray for them to die? Pray for their sin to die. And so what, what Bruria does is separate the individual from the action, saying that the individual has, as Jill said, a yechida. The individual, but you can't live just with Yechida in this world. The individual has that pure, unadulterated connection to God. So why not connect within this world to that and say, let the sin die and let the Yechida prosper? You follow? Since we're uh, we're running a little late, maybe uh, if you want to pass it on. Okay, so it's uh, Sharon. 
I understood your comment, Tommy. And I don't I don't know that I agree with that, Rabbi. I, the sin dying and Yechida move on. Maybe he wasn't in Yechida. Maybe he was still, whatever. Um, my nugget of just listening to the, the analogy of the waves and the ocean and us being natural soul, neshama, whatever, being part of the waves, I guess it takes me back to the beginning of class and being afraid of death. And because the afterlife, you'd have all these souls. And maybe if we got to Yechida, we would be closer to God in death, right? Is that our state that we are then unified? I don't know. I'm looking for any. Okay, so that was one little thing. And whoever said about not having a body part or this kind of class and information helps fill that. And I'm thinking, I'm missing so many body parts right now. And I may be missing more later, replacements and blah, blah, blah. So does that make the room for me to learn all this, to fill up every body part with knowledge? I know that sounds stupid, but I can't get my questions out sometimes. Just like Jill, you know, you run out of words. I understand what you said. I feel very comfortable. Let's put it that way. So this class gives me comfort as my physical body falls apart that maybe I'll get much more spiritual or I am. I'm evolving. I will pass it on. Who's that? Delana? Thank you. First of all, Cheryl, I, I, I hope you're blessed with good health and less falling apart parts. Um, but I'm just grateful for um, the exploration and the tools and the opportunity to um, think and just be more in tune with with life and where we are and the decisions that we make. I think it's just a beautiful learning experience. So thank you very much. Has anybody left? Hasn't spoken? Ah, oh, Alessandra. Go for it. Thank you. Uh, so my questioning is about Ruach. Because Ruach is the emotional awareness. And I realize that when I remind, when I remember emotions, they are timeless. So I was associating how level of Ruach with us already being outside of a time-limited existence where when we connect to the emotions that we have lived in the past, they seem to be still very real now. So I'm, I'm thinking that Hua is already, well, it is obviously since that's what we learned, but I feel that it's when we connect to our emotions and how we have experienced them, we are already coming out of 
a time limited world. That's my takeaway for today. And I think that's a good segue into next week. That's like a good cliffhanger for next week, because in the beginning of next week's class, we're going to go into Ruach. Oh, and I will be in Cameroon on a different time zone in the middle of work. Please, please record this for me. I will record it for you. If Julian comes, he'll remind him. Exactly. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll try and remind him. Please, 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 please. I will listen to it when I get back to my hotel room. We'll miss you. I will miss you. I'm, I'm looking forward from to this from Thursday at 10 to the next Thursday at 8.59. But I, I think it's good that we're kind of doing this piecemeal because I'd like you um, as, your, as, your, um, as your, your work for this week, I'd like you to kind of acknowledge and focus on, on the nefesh when you have nefesh moments and say this is a nefesh moment. Remember, it's only 20%, so to speak, of your being, but this is a nefesh moment. Oh, Julian, we forgot about you. Julian, please. Thank thank you. So I'm left wondering three things. The first is connected to, I wrote at the top of the chat, things that I've thought or things that I've heard are sort of a mixture of both about the baby, uh, the parents, the thoughts, the feelings, the body, the the soul and i'm wondering now if they all relate or correspond to these five levels of soul which i hadn't made that connection before but by typing it the answer is the answer is yes and you're going to find out soon enough more cliffhangers oh wow that's amazing the the thank you for clarifying that The, the second one we've already covered that You've given me a uh, a connection between the five and the three that I will continue to wonder about. So it's a live thought process now. And the third like thing, onion. you got to peel away the layers. So don't worry. There's, there's lots of layers here. Oh, thank you. And 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 the, the third thing is your your statement about Baruch uh, Baruch Baria uh, and the give the person a chance that it's their action not themselves because the last day yesterday in fact um the new prime minister rishi sunak in the uk has become my enemy number one because well for the most reason he's put the ban back on the fracking so we're now gonna have our energy prices go up again which is totally the wrong way and uh, so after your statement, I was thinking that maybe I should see it as his action that is wrong, not his. And that's great, a great analogy, because I think often we need to have these brewer moments where we don't see the person as bad, but their actions. And we should pray for a change of actions because the person has five levels of their soul and they can connect to another level of their soul and make a better choice. We always believe in the power to make a better choice. And as human beings, we have lots of different choices we can make. And in places of leadership, we have lots of different choices we can make. And I think it's a great way of saying, uh, and, and, and I think that in the world, we become so polarized that we don't see nuance. And the nuances separating the 
person from the actions. The same in child psychology, when a kid does something bad and when they're young and parents don't know better and they go, bad boy or bad girl. It's not a bad girl. It's the girl is good or the boy is good. Their deed and, and even bad. Even saying good boy or good girl. Right. There's a whole change now um, right. within, within early childhood education about actually saying the deed the kid did. Right. You sat in your chair. Like kind of acknowledging and identifying what they did, both good or bad. And that's a, a such a great example, Cheryl. It's just well, it's because kids grow up with low self-esteem when they're kept calling bad girl or bad boy. Bad boy, don't do that. But the don't do that is the part they should be addressing. Don't hit another child in class or don't hit another child. Yeah. It's the action. Absolutely. The action. Yeah. You know, I've had to educate my mom when she would tell my kids, oh, I'm mad at you, but I still love you. What do you connect it? Yeah. In interestingly, I, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but Joe Biden called him, mispronounced yesterday, called him Rashid Saduk, which is almost the Hebrew Russia wicked Saduk righteous. So Joe Biden inadvertently called him hmm. wicked righteous. Maybe, maybe prophetic. You yeah. never, yeah. But uh, I want to just make a. I mean, I, I know you. Know, you probably know already. I just want to just remind you that for those of you who would like, I have this really great new series that I'm starting on oh. Sunday. It's this Sunday, starting this Sunday morning. I'm going to do an hour and a half on uh, what, what I'm calling beginners Judaism. But as you know, with my classes, it's going to be. Uh, uh, a different look, maybe a different look at Judaism that you've never thought of before. So it's not only beginner's Judaism, though that's what it's called. And I'm doing a six weeks on, if you've never learned to read Hebrew, um, I'm going to, I can, I can, I can teach you how to read Hebrew, which may be something that you want to do in your life. So I have a few spots still, and I obviously, I want to give preference to this one. It's not on Zoom, you're about, right? Yeah. yeah, the whole thing's on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. The whole thing. I need to go. I'm sorry. I have an appointment. No problem. No problem. Bye. Bye, everyone. Great week, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi. Bye. Okay, we're gonna get started oh. with today. So for those of you who have to go, have a wonderful week. For those of you who are staying for Talmud, let's get started. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. <laughs>